So we are in our third part of On the Giving End. We're talking about the place of giving stalker, place, the place of a, um, of a Jew in society. And our topic today is Maisek Safim, Practicum. We're going to take, take a look at some of the interesting aspects of giving, of tithing money. Um, so that we've, I want to first of all start off by thanking Ed and Sandy Clark. Uh, Clark. This, uh, this entire series, all three parts have been sponsored by Ed and Sandy. And just as we've been passing, Ed's father's first yard side, Mr. David Clark, um, who was a really, a, truly a beloved father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. We think about David C. Ben Yosef, Yehuda, um, certainly during this, this period of time and beyond. Thank you, Ed and Sandy, for, for being part of this. Today's specific share, I'd like to, 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 to thank Elliot and Shady Horowitz, who are sponsoring, as we think about the, the memory of his tormentors who passed away in Misan, including Rav Anon Haramati of Yeshiva Flatbush, High School, which is actually Yartzai was Gimel Nissa, we just passed. Also, Mora Nechaba Leibowitz, Dr. Leibowitz, um, the Mora Par Excellence, whose uh, who's, uh, Yartzai is on the 5th of Nissan, and Rav Aaron Kreis of the Yishu, of Yishu University, whose Yartzai will be this coming week. Um, all the three who left thousands of disciples. Thank you for enabling us to, to be exposed and to appreciate their Torah. And I want to thank Rosemary Fish who is sponsoring today as well, in memory of her husband, Mordechai ben El Yakim Getzel, Mr. Uh, um, Erchi Fish, whose uh, who's Shloshim we are in, Be'ez Ras Hashem. He should have a continued Lichter Gaganeden, Be'ez Ras Hashem. We're going to, we're going to take a, a moment today, and just as, as the slides are coming out, to talk about a very fa- fascinating practical topic. Um, this topic uh, is, is an important one, and that is the idea of Ma'aser um, Ksafim, of tithing one's money. And one says, does the Torah really talk about tithing one's money precisely? And the, the truth is not exactly. The Torah never explicitly tells us to do that. The Torah tells us a lot of other things, but it doesn't tell us about tithing of money. So as an example, one of the places where the Torah talks about this rather than tells us to do this is an example where in Parshas Lech Lecha, if you remember, there's a war between the four and the five kings. Avram Avinu takes the side of the weaker end, which is the, um, the, four, the, the five kings, defends them, including the, the cities of the fertile, the fertile Valley. And when he comes to the end of that whole episode, he is approached by Malkitzedek. Malkitzedek um, is, is assumed to be um, Shame, who is a coin El Elyon, is a high priest. And he says to him... Um, Malkitzedek comes over and he brings out more wine, he brings out bread, and he says um, the following. He says, Baruch Avraham le'el elyon konei shemayim v'aretz. Blessed is Abraham to the high God, heaven and heaven and earth. I actually just mentioned to Eliezer yesterday, I remember Rav Shechter used to point out on this, on this Pasuk, that Malkitzedek was criticized for this, this comment. Baruch Avraham le'el elyon. Why? Because he is, pra- he is praising Avraham before he praises God. Right? So, um, yeah, so Rav Shechta quotes his father who says that that's why it's important when you are doing, you know, it's, it's not appropriate that when people do a l'chaim, they go this whole, you know, guns, sipur and the whole business. And then they say, because they're doing what shame did, which is, which, well, Malki Tzadik did, which is they're putting all the human things, thank you, Bavid, all the human things before they put all the, all, all the, the human a, um, appellations before Akarish Baruchu. So uh, he describes a story one, one time where he was t- uh, saying this at a Lachayim, 
And the person says, oh, so he goes, Baruch Atashon HaKadam HaNachayilam, Shakon Nia Bidvarius says, Elachayim, Tovim, and he's like, no, 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 you should drink first. <laughs> so, Malki Tzedek put it the wrong way, but nonetheless, after he says that, he goes, Ubarach El Elion, Asher Migen Sarecha Biyadecha, Vayitzen Loi Maaser Mikol. He says to Avram Avinu, you've had this incredible boom, right? This is a, a war. War can be incredibly expensive, but it can also be incredibly lucrative. And Avram Avinu, you've now the conqueror, you're the success. So you get all, this, all these assets. So what do you need to do? Everything you've gained, you should tithe. You should give a, t- a tenth of it to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's, that's what Malkit Tzedek says. So we see the Torah is not demanding this of us, but the Torah is describing what would be appropriate in such a situation. Similarly, when Yaakov Avinu later on is trying to uh, escape his brother Esav and he is fleeing in Pasha's Vayetze from Esav, he arrives at this makom, this place where this place is, he goes to sleep, he doesn't really know what it is. Anywhere. And in the dream, he, um, he hears HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the ladder, the angels, the whole business. And then he makes up in the morning and he says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Yaakov neder lemor, im if God's going to be with me, and I'm going to have the wherewithal to do everything I need, then and I'm going to return to, in peace to my father's house, because remember, he's leaving, Egypt, he's leaving Israel to go to the Syria area. He says, he says and I'm going to make this a, uh, make an altar here. Everything that you give me, I will tithe. If you remember, Yaakov leaves in a state of destitution, he has nothing to his name, comes back and he's quite a successful businessman and, and, and this is the debt we see paid later on if we go back to for, fast forward to Parshas Va Yishlach. So, so when Yaakov you know, comes back 20 years later, he does make good on this promise as well. Again, you'll notice something interesting, that neither of these are prescriptive, these are both descriptive. So the Torah is describing a story that we know well and is describing that people upon success will give a tithe of their, of their assets. Notice an interesting, an interesting aspect of this is that just to, if you contrast the, 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 the stories, um, that Avram is being asked to give his tithe when? When he's successful. Yaakov is, is promising his tithe when he's not successful, he's in a state of need. It's worthwhile noting that perhaps the Torah is focusing on the fact that there's times we need to give when it's success and there's times we need to give when? We're, we're hoping for success but we're very much far away from it. I think we can identify with being in both of those places. It's important to, to acknowledge and to, to give at both of those places and stages. It always reminds me of when you read the Haftorah on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, you hear about, we hear about Chana. Chana was, uh, the, the, her currency was not money, but her currency was being able to build a, fi- a family. That was what was important to her. And we hear the word Vatispadel Chana twice. One time she, she davens at such a stage when she's desperate to have a child, that's in Perikalev. And then when she has the child of her dreams, Shmuel, then it says Vatispadel Chana, she, she prays again, and that's the song of Chana. And it's interesting to, to put the two together, that at the low and the moment of desperation is when she prays, and the high and the moment of resolution is where she prays as well. It's worthwhile thinking about in terms of sort of the different places in life. And I think if you look at the Yaakov and Avram Avinu models of it, we have this. So where does this apply, apply itself? So it turns out that, the, that you don't find the Torah ever describing that a person should give a tenth of their assets. Um, we do hear a, the, the, the Sifrei, which is the Medrash Halacha, does say this. It does comment 
in a derech drush, which means deriving out of the psukim, that one should be doing this. But where, where does it come from? Where does this notion of a tenth of one's assets come from? So the most basic idea would be there's two models we can look at. The first we're going to look at is what's called ma'aser, ma'aser ani. So it's important, just important to remember, if, if you remember sort of the stages of the, we'll call it the um, Hebrew year system, right? So everything's built in cycles of seven. The days are built in cycles of seven and the years are built in cycles of seven. This is quick, a quick recap of how this works. On an average year, if you're a farmer, which most people in Israel were, if you, if you go back to, if anybody's, anybody just be, been to Ir David recently, just, just, uh, just uh, in the last year or so? No? Okay. Fantastic. If not, you should. The next time you go to Israel, you really should book a tour of Ir David. It's, it's fantastic. There's, there's, it's always new. And if you haven't been there beforehand, it's remarkable. One of the things that you realize is that what we call the old city of Jerusalem is really the new city, right? All the walls and that, that that's all Muslim. <laughs> that's, that, that's recent. That's like the 600s. I mean, like really. You know, so uh, when you talk about the old city of Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem is down the hill. That's where Jerusalem was. The addendum at the top of the hill where the old city is today, the old city of Jerusalem, that's all the new stuff. Right, that's where the base of Midash was, but and the base of Midash, the base of Midash, the, the, the extension of the base of Midash into all the quarters, that was the overflow. Jerusalem was down the hill. If you go down to the Kidron Valley, and you look out the Shara Ashbod, you look down to Ir David, that what they what, what will be called Silwan today, that's where Jerusalem was, right? And if you measure the space of where the Jerusalem was, it's not very big, and one of the reasons the tour guide explained is because, in most of the people didn't live in the city. Most of the people lived in the farms, around. The city may have been the option when a host came, a war host came, and everybody had to congregate in the city. But the city was not so large at all. Most people were farmers, and so therefore, this system was something which was natural to anybody who had a, uh, a pitchfork in their hand. So what was the system? Let's just quickly remind ourselves. What happens is that, uh, that the planting, uh, planting season is when? When does everything happen? If anybody needs sources, they are coming around. Thank you so much, Marvin. Um, if anybody needs, uh, so, so, so let's, if anybody needs to have some extras over here, thank you so much. So let, 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 let's, let's sort of put ourselves in the, in, into the agricultural cycle. When, when are you planting as a farmer? You're planting right after Sukkot. Remember Sukkot was the end of the good year. You start planting, the rainy season starts right after Sukkot. You start tending the crops, you start looking after everything. And throughout the winter, which is the rainy season, that's where you're tending, growing, plowing, all the, all. All, all of that. Let's not talk about the orchards right now. Let's just talk about the grain products. And when are we starting to see our grains peaking out? Right around now. As we move towards Pesach, that's when the barley starts rising. As we move towards Shavuos, that's when the wheat starts rising. That, that's the end of the cycle and we start harvesting and gathering. So now let's say we're coming towards the spring. The rains are coming to their end. The harvest is coming to its full fruition. Um, we now harvest. So what, what happens? So the first thing that we do as, as a regular average farmer is we need to give trimmer. How much of one's, um, let's say we have 100 units of, uh, 100 units of grain that we've, that we've brought into the storehouse. How much of that is going to trim, which goes to the Kohanimus Society? So one in, one in 50, which is 2%. Okay, so 2% go to the Kohanim. Then after that, now we're looking at our, sort of our tax deduction here for our Israelite Agricultural Society. So we've now declared taxes on 2%. What's next? Next is we call Maaser, right? Maaser goes to? The Levi, you know, why did the Levi get so much more? Like, it's unfair, 10% is much more than 2%, because? 
They're more levium. Good. <laughs> just uh, just numbers, folks. Right. They're more levium, so they happens to happen to need uh, need more. Um. So so the there would be next ten percent goes to to levium. Good. So now at this point in time, we're talking about twelve percent of one's of one's crops is already out. This is excluding all the stuff left behind, like the payah and the lek and the sheikh, all the we'll call the ancillary stuff, which which is which is poor property, the property of the poor. But let, let's say what we're actually bringing into the grain house, which is we'll call declared income. Um, so now, good question. Good question. <laughs> good question. Do you take is it ten percent of the remainder? I don't. I don't remember offhand if it's if it's uh, if it's that. Um, no. What was that? Nine point eight percent. There we go. If you actually take a look at the population, it's interesting to, to do this. It actually comes out flash in terms of the Levium and the Kohanim. Certainly, the times of the bias Rishon. If you do the, the countings and then back to the time of Ezra again as well, it's a little more complex. The beer is a may. Then the next thing we do is um, is at this point in time you think you're scot free, but not quite because on an average year, then you need to take another ten percent. But the good news about this next ten percent is is that it's yours really. This is what's called Ma'aser Sheni, second tithe. Think, my goodness, what is the Torah asking of us? The Torah asks us to take that 10% and use it in Jerusalem. So if it's fruits, if it's grain, we have to, con- we have to consume that in Jerusalem. Um, if we, no one's not able to do that, one, one uh, uh, t- takes off its Kedusha onto the money. The money has to be spent in Jerusalem as well. So that one's forced to, uh, to pilgrimage, one is forced to, ex- uh, to experience this in, in Yerushalayim. There's a certain world called spiritual gravitational center in Jerusalem, which is forcing the regular farmer to leave their homestead to, um, to, to, to Jerusalem. And that's what happens in years um, essentially one and two and four and five. Okay, so out of the seven-year cycle, four of those years, that's what, what happens. However, in years <coughs> three and six, something else happens. And that is that the second tithe goes to the poor. The poor. Which means if you think about it in terms of just sort of cycles, it really is the Hebrew system is three years, three years, one year. Three years, three years, one year. So the Shiva cycle is not a seven-year cycle. It's two threes added together. So it goes, Master Shani, Master Shani, Master Ani, Master Shani, Master Shani, Master Ani. Okay, that's the way it works. So essentially every three years, a tenth of my my crops are going to the poor for distribution, which is why Biur Maestros, which is when one, so to speak, cleans out back taxes, happens every... Right, so you have one, the cycle of the end of three years, essentially, right, which is the capstone of that cycle as well. Okay, beer is a may. So this is a model that we can talk about, and this is talked about in Allah, the Ramam describes the, the, this idea um, of Maaser Ani, which happens every three years, and he says, and, and this is a, this, uh, the page which says Maaser Ani, he says the following, Maaser Shani happens in two, one, two, Three and uh, four and five. in the third and the sixth year of the cycle, you have another tithe. you give this to the poor. There's no master. You're not going up to Jerusalem this year. It's just the, the tithe for the poor. So this is this is what happens every three years. Now this is this is this is we'll call it model number one, which we can look at. Notice that there's a number of limitations in this model because if this is the model that we're going to use for money, notice this is all about crops, right? If this is for money, then for the, then first of all, would it follow that pattern, which is once every three years? You know, like so, the, it's not a, a a hard and fast rule which would apply itself naturally to our 
were called society, which is not agrarian particularly. That's uh, that, that's number, question number one. And then also there are limitations as to where one can give maaser ani. One, one has to give it to poor people. One can't give it to certain other things like mitzvahs, as an example. You can't double dip your deductions. Right, so um, so one would have to sort of wonder, is this the model we're using? The other model, of course, is staka. Right, so we have a, a responsibility to give staka, and this, this, this mitzvah is across society. Every person in society is required, the poorest of the poor and the richest of the rich are required to give staka. We have a minimum. The minimum is, is a shlish of a shekel, which is nothing. And then the and the maximum is um, a person shouldn't give more than twenty percent of the assets. So there's a, a bracket, and that depends on need, depends on circumstance, depends on um, on the, the constellation of those around one, whether it's one's family, whether it's whether it's one's uh, neighbors as, as well. The question is where does Maasek Safin fit into? Because it really is neither of those, right? It's not the tithing of money or one's proceeds is not like the, the uh, what one finds in the field, and not what one finds in Stockholm, which is sort of more amorphous in terms of the, of the Chiyov. So there, there happens to be a debate in the Mavarshim as to how, um, we're called, how obligatory this is as an, um, uh, at all. So as an example, the Bach, Rav Yol Circus, in his commentary on Shulchan Arach, makes the, makes the following observa- observation, and he says that he doesn't believe that this is, the, this is a mitzvah asay min Torah. He doesn't believe it's a mitzvah mid, mid, midrabon either. It's a nice practice. It's a good minag. It's a quantifiable way of doing what's right, but it's not necessarily the, what, what, uh, what the Torah prescribes, nor the ra- rabbis prescribe, which is why you don't see it talked about um, more explicitly as well. His son-in-law, who was the Taz, disagrees and f- f- feels that it is really obligatory as an extension of Maaser Ksafim, as, as a Maaser, Maaser Ani, as what would be, go, be going on in the field. Generally today, the predominant view among most postkim is it is not obligatory. It's something that one opts into. It's much easier to do something when it's quantifiable. So we have to give stock. All of us have to give stock, no matter who we are, where we are. Then how do you give stock? Or what are, what are the rules and and how much? So the best, well, not best. It's called mida benonis. Actually, it's not the best, but it's we'll call it average giving is meant to be ten percent of our, of, our, of our assets. That's that's that says a lot, folks. <laughs> I asked I asked our financial planner out of all the Jews that you you consult, how many people are doing this? He's like, not so many. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's not it's not so easy to do because it requires it. But however, there are a few things that are important to be aware of as well. So depending on, by the way, depending on on where the model is drawn from, whether the model is the model of tzedakah or the model is the Maaser Ani uh, model, there are one or two just interesting nafke um, mina, which means to say differences in application as well. So, for instance. Um, um, so there, there is a concept in Maaser Ani which is called testing Hashem, right? Which means to say, generally speaking, we're not allowed to test God. You're not supposed to say, God, if I do this and you do that, and right. So that's not the way we we, we were meant to barter with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. However, when it comes to Maaser, we can. The Torah tells us, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, you can test me. How in Maaser? If you give Maaser, <coughs> That uh, there's a play on words. If you give maaser, the word as, uh, asar, which is the word for tithing, that's where maaser comes from, comes from the same word as ashirut, which is wealth. If you give maaser, you will be blessed with riches. That's what the, the, the Torah says explicitly. This is in Nevi'im. And um, that being the case, you're not allowed to do it any other place or domain in Allah. The question is, if maaser ksafim is in the same realm, you may be entitled to say such a thing. 
and um, and m many poskim suggest that maybe this could be transferable to us as well. Sorry, yeah. Is it ten percent of income? Well, so I'll get it in a second. Got to get. We'll get that in a second. Okay, so I want, let's uh, let, let, let's just Let's let's get down to, to specifics in a second because we can discuss what's deductible, what's not. Is it uh, is it is it capital? Is it profits? We'll get that in a second. So we'll do we'll deal with some of the details right now. I want to thank Yosef for many questions on this topic. So we're going to, we're going to push, uh, push into this in, in, just, in just a moment as well. Um, I just, um, okay, yeah, let, let, let's go into um, the what it's taken from. Okay, so let's, 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 let's go straight into what, what, what do we take Maaseh from as well. Um, oh, by the way, so let, let's say another enough given, by the way, is if you're not able to afford it, let's say you do not have, you know, let's say you have a business, and there's a certain amount of uh, expenditure every every month, and there, this month there wasn't there wasn't profit, right? Is there a requirement to give or not? So if it's maaser, maaser, it's if it's followed based on the maaser model, you wouldn't be chayev. You only chayev when there's profit, right? <laughs> so, but if it's it's stocker, you would be chayev. So generally speaking, we, we generally view it more like the maaser model, which means to say that we can, so to speak, expect or anticipate of our Hashem if we do this properly to to be replenished. And we do assume that, uh, that, that if a person is not making profit, there's no master requirement, but there still is a stocker requirement, but that's minimal as a whole. One does not need to be digging into, um, into um, perhaps into, into capital or into, uh, um, into one, deep into one's wallet for that as well. Let's, let's take a look at some basic examples. So what, where does it come from? So the, it, it is interesting that the, 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 the Chavetz Chaim wrote many, many svarim. Most people know the Chavetz Chaim and Shemir Asadashim, but they're not aware of the fact that he wrote an abundance of other Sfarim. One very important one, which most people have not studied, is called Avas Chesed. It's the halachas of, of all kinds of kindness to others. In the second Chalik, he spends four chapters talking about Staka, and it's really worthwhile reading. It's very easy, it's very accessible today, it's a very beautiful print. Um, and he, and he describes, he's even got a Yomi cycle today, right? Like, like the Chavitz Chaim's got the cycle of every three months, the Avas Chesed is the same, the, the, the same thing. And he, say, he points out that at, uh, for the first time that one gives, one should be doing it on all one's assets. However, there afterwards, it should be on profits, which means that one should uh, take a moment and say, I'm going to say, however much is to my name, a tenth, boom. And there afterwards, one takes profits that goes on. He says, for some people, it's very difficult to do that because if they sort of wake up to the game at a certain point, you know, how, you know how complicated it is filing tax returns. So, you know, this becomes this becomes very very complicated. So he says, so he says it may be difficult for a person to do that. So he, the Chavez Chaim's suggestion, Rabbi Yisrael Kagan, um, says, acknowledging this, and certainly today we we have much money nested in all kinds of different things. He says, create a fund which is meant to be. For loans for for the poor, based on the cap on on essentially the um, the capital, which means to say, if one works out one sum total and one hasn't given a master sheni, this why it's better to start this practice earlier in life when there's much less to your name. <laughs> um, so, but but when you let's say one hasn't done that, one one needs to do this, and it's very hard to give that that amount of money away. Use that money for the we will call the assets on as as a loan gemach or something which you still maintain. But is giving is is considered giving as uh, giving as well. Then, when one, as one gets in new revach, when one gets a new profit, that should be taxable to my to, to my six of him as well. That's the way the way he 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 suggests setting it up. Um, now the qu the question becomes is uh, is what about tax, right? So so where does tax money fo focus a uh, feature in the, in this process in this process as well? So um, when it comes to income tax, income tax is not considered. Um, profit, 
right? So meaning to say we don't look at gross, we look at net. And so that's a significant difference because it's not considered as if you earned the income tax and you gave it away. You never got it, right? It's, it's being deducted as you, as you go. You never see that. Um, and so it's, 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 uh, it, is, it is no longer, it's not considered part of the cheshbon of that. So essentially we're looking at, depending on what bracket one's in, you know, we're talking about, you know, really 70% of one's salary or depending on what, how the state and federal tax systems are, are working as well. Um, and um, when it comes to other types of taxes, you do need to include it. So for instance, property tax um, is not considered a, dedu- a deduction, right? So property tax... Is you don't say, well, I'm paying X amount of property tax depending on which district I'm in, and that no, that that's considered an expenditure, right? So that you have to include that. You start to include a pre-tax the amount that one's giving on my successor. Similarly, sales tax, which of course you know we don't, it's harder to be to do the cash money as well, uh, as well. And what about now, deducted money for charity? <laughs> this is where the two systems do not converge. So let's say. I decide I'm going to allocate, you know, X amount of money per year to Tzedakah, right, to, to charities. Sorry, sorry, let's just say to charities. And the, the, the government is very kind to me and gives me a kickback by, by making a tax deductible. So now I, you know, I file my taxes and I say, now I give an X amount to, to charity. And that now is non-taxable income for me, which is fantastic, right? So I get this kickback of saving taxes on that. So the truth is, is that that's not deductible for my succession. <laughs> Meaning, well, I can't say that the money saved on those taxes, so this, is, this makes it a little more complicated to do the cash bond. Well, I can't say the money saved on taxes there is, uh, is, 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 uh, is, is, is scot-free. That, that really is money which one should be considering in terms of the MySixSofim table as well, um, just in terms of the taxes as well. What about inheritance? So any type of person get, comes across good money, which is, I mean, hopefully in, 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 under good circumstances, but let's say there's a large gift or a person receives an inheritance, the first thing one would want to do, and this is the easier time to do it, is when one, one feels that sense of, be, of, of benevolence and, and gratitude, that's the moment to say, okay, quickly, let's put 10% of that into a different account before I start thinking it's mine. And and, um, and and allocate just 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 to put put itself uh, in a different place. That's much easier than the bigger. You know, all my assets. This is as anything comes in, as anything special comes in. Make sure to to go to to put in ten percent elsewhere. Um, now there happens to be in in halacha. There's there's a there's a lot that's talked about in terms of business expenditure. This is very important. So actually, there's a, a sefer which I found was very helpful. And this is called Share Torah Sabayas. I just want to do a quick summary of, of some of the rules that he, he, he mentions when it comes to this. So anything which is business related, is, uh, you do not need to, 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 uh, put, to, to contribute towards my six of him. So what does that mean? That means to say that let's say I'm a business owner. Okay, so I'm not talking about an employee right now. But let's say I'm a business owner. So I have an incredible amount of expenses. Right? I have to pay the rent, I have to pay insurance, I have to pay the building taxes, I have to pay all, all these things related to floating a company. Now hopefully if it's a successful company, then the profits are going to far exceed everything I'm spending and hopefully um, so, uh, n- n- not too long uh, l- far down the road. But all those expenses are not considered, are not considered taxable to my success. Right? That's employee salaries, employee benefits, all those things that I'm paying, of course, that's not considered profit. So therefore, it's not, it would not be under the rubric of my success. And that would go so far as to include, this does impl- apply to employees now, <laughs> is let's say the cost of travel. Right, so let's say one's, well, let's say one is an, uh, is an employee, not a business owner, and um, and one has to rent a car, or one has to pay tolls, or one has to take business trips, and so on, and and it has to come off one's own bat. 
that's not considered that that's considered business expenditures. Business expenditures is no uh, is not part of the mystics of in business. So much so that let's say you have uh, as is very much the common practice, the necessary practice today is to have a two-family income house. It's just it's 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 almost impossible to survive on one, on one income these days. So let's say you have a, a dual family income, but there's children, there's young children. Right, so um, so uh, if both the parents are at the house, and therefore there is a need to pay for a babysitter, right, or let's say a housekeeper, because if one of the parents was home, that would have been their job. But this is this is also considered business expenditure, right? That's, and we're talking about significant money. We're talking about thirty, forty thousand dollars a year um, when it comes down to, to to these things. That is not that's called a business expenditure, not. A, uh, a, 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 and therefore not, not a household expense. All household expenses have to, are, are, are taxable in my sexophim, but business expenditures are not. One has to be honest with oneself in terms of like sort of just working out where, one, where the consolation is of these things. Included the things that one cannot deduct, these are things which one has to, these, these are post my sexophim, are household expenses, house, house taxes, life insurance, medical insurance, savings, right, support, uh, supporting uh, ch- children. These are things which are not considered expense, uh, business expenses. These are basic expenses, so you have to give my sexophim before you start this. This is in terms of the, the system of, uh, of how, how it's set up. Now, the question is to what? To what is one supposed to give? And I, I just want to stop here as well because this is a lot to swallow. <laughs> this is a lot, this is a lot, of, a lot of things. And I, 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 I once spoke to Raoul Willig about this, and I, and I said, like, what happens if you're on, you're on the on, on, on the spectrum of, uh, of of giving, and you're like, I really want to do more, but I'm not there yet, right? I'm, I'm sort of not there. Is is there a value? You know, I'm a, I'm in the three percent zone, in the four percent zone, in the five percent zone. Is there a value of uh, um, of that? And he said, absolutely. Meaning to say. Be, being as we Paskin today, this is not a chiyov gamor. This is not the. This is not what every person has to be doing. This. This is. This is the the place. This is where we should be at. This is where we, we should be getting to. It's we'll call it an aspirational movement towards. One should one should be moving upwards along this, and as one is more successful, one should be trying to ratchet up to in order to be able to get closer to what uh, to, to this as well. So it's not an all or nothing scale. It's really important to, to, to remember. Sometimes we dismiss this and we say this is way too much to be to be thinking about. One should be getting there. If you speak to Rav Shechter, I remember Rav Shechter when he talks about this. Um, he talks about the young families which are not really making it yet. You know, they're sort of just, you know, on the, uh, you know, on a shoelace. He says, so, so cheshpan out. If you, they can't be giving yet. He says, keep a log and God willing, when you're very successful, you, all all the, the minimal amounts that you couldn't do when you when you're young, you do later on when hopefully things are more successful. But it's, it's, remember that this is not an all or nothing. Um, um, this this is this is a, this is something which uh, is aspirational. It's also important to remember, and just as we talked about beforehand, is that is that charity giving is not the same as uh, as my six of them necessarily, right? So there's five hundred one c threes which are not tzedakah, right? So sorry, you're talking about like you know the you know let's say every official hall is, is, is a wonderful thing, but it's not tzedakah, right? Uh, on the one hand, and giving tzedakah may may supersede and be much larger than one's charity giving because there may be not a we'll call it a, a financial kickback in the American system of giving, but that's still requirement in stocker as well. And the stocker requirements are much larger and more quantified than, than the charity giving. Yes? So how would like, how tuition be Good. Okay, good. Let's get that in a second. So let's say this, this, all we talked about right now, this first section over here, was, was, was really from, from where does it come, right? So meaning is it taxable, not taxable, what, what's included, business expenses, personal expenses, and so on. Let's now, let's now go to where can it be given. That's the next section. So um, the next section over here is, is where does it go to? So the primary recipient 
actually, um, says the Avas Chesed, that's again, that is the, the Chavitz Chaim, he says, is poor people. Really, should we go into poor people? Now notice, by the way, that a lot of our charity, if you think about a lot of our charity giving, there's a lot that does go to poor people, but there's a lot that doesn't go to poor people as well. So, as, as, so like, you can think of very wonderful organizations which are doing medical research, organizations which are support for people who, are, who have diseases, God forbid, and those are wonderful things, but it's not necessarily, that's not to poor people, right? No, that, it's a big myth and it's wonderful, but the Masek Sofim piece of this might, might, might be specifically more um, those who are struggling in the Chavetz Chaim says, and if there are those who are struggling, who are living a Torah lifestyle and supporting Torah lifestyle as well, that seems to be the primary space for my six of him itself as well. Now, one, one may have to be flexible if one says, I only have so much to give, and I need to diversify around the things that matter to me because of the circumstances I'm in and the family that I'm in and the people I know. One may have to diversify, but primary it's, it's primarily it's meant to be to those who are poor, right? Because it's patterned off that the, the shadow in the background is my sir. Ani, and that was meant to be for poor people, not wonderful things and schemes and NGOs about water in Africa. Those are great, but that, but, but the, the, the point is that there are the, the, the poor people who need to need to receive this as well. Um, now, um, let's let, let's let's talk about a few examples which are which are important. So, what about family? Right. So we, we learned a little uh, two weeks ago that family should be the prime beneficiary, meaning the first the first requirement of stocker is always family. So. That, that means to say that, let's say one's parents, one's relatives are in a state of need. One, the primary beneficiary, in fact, that's called stocker, one should be giving to one's family. But that, the exception to that is one's children. Because if one's children are in one's house and one's meant to be looking after them, then the giving them is, is called parenting, not stocker, right? That's, that's the basic premise of, of, um, of having children. If anyone remembers, just to uh, um, guess this guy coming to dinner, do you remember the 1969 video of uh, uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, the young Sidney Poitier? If you remember this, there was, a, there was this, this, this heated debate between himself and his father, and he was dating a girl who was going to marry, who his father highly disapproved of because she was white, and Sidney Poitier was, well, was colored, and, and, and it was this, the, 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 this, this terrible debate that was going on, and the, and the dad says, what? And he was a doctor, yeah, he was fantastic. Anyway, so he, so he says, so his, dad's, his dad was, was talking to him, and he said, son, and his father was a mailman. He says, I carried that mail, that mail bag through the thick and the thin and through the cold and your mother sacrificed her winter coat so we could give you an education. And now you're doing this to us? <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and so uh, and, uh, he, he responded and he said, Dad, he said, even if you carry that mail bag a million miles, he says, that's what you needed to do because that's the responsibility of a father bringing a child into this world. And I was, uh, anyway, so I always reflect on that scene and I, th I remember that they were actually saying each other's lines. The son should be saying, Dad, I respect you because everything you did to me. And the, the father should say, Son, I needed to do everything I did. That, that's really how the voices were exchanged, but that's usually how we have our fights. We focus on what we're entitled to rather than our responsibilities. But be it as it may, um, so children are, are a requirement. The question is, what age? Is there like, can you, can you bracket that? Where, where's the stage? So, any guesses in halacha where that, where that, age, that age is put in the perspective? Yeah. Yes, sorry, you're awesome. <laughs> so it's true. The halacha is, the halacha is, is actually, if you read the, 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 the sources, is six years old. Now, folks, we're not talking about today's society. Just to appreciate this. Rav Moshe Fancy in a Triva talks about this. Why? Because if you think about it in those days where there wasn't really much of a school system, what would happen is, is children would start working. They would start, they would start taking internships and work studies, is what we call them today, and they start earning their money 
and start contributing to the pot. And in a lot, in many senses, the family depended on all the children being involved, right, from a pretty early age. And so that was considered the age of independence. Today, like, you know, 37 maybe. There was a great video which was called Millennials, right? And it says, I was talking about the millennial who dreams of being a millionaire at the age of 29. He says, well, get off your yoga pants and start working. And like, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, so it's very, it's very hard today. Things have changed a little bit. Um, so so Rav, Rav Moshe Feinstein says it depends on the cultural norms of society and today to a large degree it's it's around marriage time right so uh, parents usually support their children till marriage um, as well and and today if you look at the trends with the age that a lot of kids are getting married not even then right so so if if there's a, if it's if it's the stage where so to speak to independence that becomes the responsibility of parents that's not stucker however let's say that, that that you've done your job Baruch Hashem your kids are, are independent now and you, they're no longer supposed to be part of your household. They're doing their thing. They're working. They're looking after themselves. Then, actually, the first, the first round of people who, re- who need to receive um, are family as well. And this is not as exciting and it's not as... Because, you know, one, one's not getting one's name onto a building for this as well. But, but in the end of the day, that's actually where it starts. So it's, it's more important to do this. And part of the logic of this, as we learned a little bit last time, was, was that the expectation is such in society. Meaning, when somebody looks in and they say, oh... X is really clearly having a difficult time, but their brother is, their sister is, their parents are, that society looks in and says, oh, they're probably being taken care of. And the part of that expectation is, is part of the responsibility as well, which is why the possible builds in it. It starts with the first word is, achicha, your brother, meaning it starts off with the family. So that, that, the, the family is, is part of this, and it goes to the, the stage that a person is uh, responsible. What about tuition? So, um, this is a very important one. Is um, and tuition is not deductible for tax uh, for for uh, for uh, my six of him. It may be for you know we, we we won't get into the legal system, but in terms of myself and the reason is because that's your responsibility. You have to have to pay for your children's education. Yes. What about for a grandchild? Ah, excellent. And this would be this would be fine for my six of him because in this case one is helping. Again, this is the ex- example of a family. Which is independent, right? So they're they're now they're earning their two, their two, their two, their three salaries, right? And they're still not making it, and they still can't make it. Contributing towards that is so certainly um, can be from the of him. It's 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 the primary experience of stock as well. It's not your chiyuv. That's the point. When it's your chiyuv, then you don't you, you don't you can't say I'm going to double dip my chiyuv with my him. So I have to educate my children, and I and I also have to give my sixofim. I'm gonna I'm going to use the two together. That that, that doesn't work for you. Yeah. Yeah, but even if you look at tuition, let's say the yeshiva has a budget of let's say a million dollars, and if it was evenly distrib- distributed amongst all the families in the school, your tuition would be let's say ten thousand dollars. But since there are many people in the school who can't afford the tuition, so they make the tuition twenty thousand dollars, and people have scholarship. So is that you know? Can, that's a good, that's a good question. This is a question in general for tax purposes that everyone wants the schools to disclose, and the schools are less willing to disclose because what's the actual cost of education? I want you to know just uh, just as a, as a, as a fun fact, what is the uh, what's the cost of educating a? Now Mary can speak to this better. better. What's the average cost of, of of educating a high school student in New York State? Thirty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, it's actually around there. Mary is uh, in the, in. Okay, so close to forty. Now, just appreciate that. So, we, I just want just to just appreciate that for a second. What that means is that we have a dual curriculums in our school. That means that we have double the amount of teachers, right? And and the day the days are longer, and and when we pay them and 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 the tuition is 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 half of that. Now it's te- it's it's backbreaking, but just to appreciate the cost. Now 
The truth is that in the public school system, a lot goes to benefits, and there's a lot more that the teachers are actually getting, as opposed to where the teachers are really not getting much out of the, uh, um, in, in the in the Jewish day schools at all. But 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 be it as may, just to understand that the schools, the Jewish day schools, have very smart people working really hard to do very much with very little. So they they are always operating on on deficit in terms of uh, in terms of what they're doing. And um, but yes, technically speaking, so Paul, your your to your, to your, to, your, to your question as well. Um, it's hard to know because the school, it's not like the schools are, you know, lucrative and, and you know, and uh, flash in, in, in cash flow. Uh, you know, a lot of schools are still going paycheck to paycheck. They don't have d direct deposits, local schools, because there are cash flow issues. And so that means to say that even though we may say, well, technically speaking, it costs X, Y, Z for, 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 for a student, it, 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 the school needs to float. So, it, so it becomes harder to, uh, to, to do this. I, when I spoke to, to Rav Willig, Rav Willig point, did, did make an interesting point, and that is, is that... Um, if let's say a, a particular pair, uh, group, uh, you know, parents come into the school and they're afforded a certain amount of tuition um, assistance, which many, many, many families do, right? So, and 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 then they want to give extra because they come upon extra, right? And they feel the responsibility to the school because they feel badly that they can't do what they they, they, they can, which is a lot of people do in that space. That's certainly the extra. Certainly, is my success. I mean, to say, well, the school, let's say the school gives you an X, uh, X amount, and I have X plus this year, and I want to give a little extra. That's, uh, that, that would certainly be my success. That's because it's beyond what the school's determined my fiscal responsibility is in this case. Yeah, uh, Elliot. Uh, what about uh, the priority of payment of debts of a given stuff? In that context, when you send your kid to a school, you're incurring a debt. So uh, if I have the choice now of paying my tuition or paying a debt that I owe to somebody or giving me well, if again, if, if a person's not making profits, I meaning to say, if a person, <laughs> if one's going into debt, right, then then one can question whether the Maasik Sofim is applicable in that particular so family's situation. I, I would I would imagine so. Yeah, I would imagine so. If that's the case, and which is a lot of the schools will demand a credit card and say it doesn't matter where it's coming from. Um, you know, if you have to pay it back in 20 years' time, yeah. So that might, that I, I would certainly say so. In terms of that family, yes. In terms of that family, that, that's not my success, and that's just surviving right there. Right? So if a person's not into survival, if one, then one would have to pay one's uh, debt. Or, but it's not, that would not be my success, and one would be, so to speak, alleviated of the my success in such a situation if one is going into debt. But that's not like saying I'm paying the my success. Does that apply also to repayment of loans? For instance, mm -hmm. uh, just about everybody has a mortgage on the house. And uh, they're repaying monthly uh, no. on that loan. No, no, no. I don't, I don't believe so, because that, that, that is considered a basic expenditure. I Meaning, as opposed to, I should have paid for the house in one lot, I can't, so I'm paying for it on a monthly basis. <coughs> or at least the, most of it's going to, to, the, to the interest. But, but I, have, I, have, I have X amount of dollars, and my choice is paying my loan or paying or giving stock on <coughs> Don't I take that? I don't have the money. It's a choice, and I've got to pay Correct. the loan first. So if one, if one doesn't have the money, one can't give uh, that stock up. We're talking about a situation where there is. Where there is. Right? We're talking about a situation where a person does have, and the question is, I'd like to double dip, and I'd like to say, rather than, rather than giving stock to, to a group of poor people or organizations, I would like to give to, to the school because that sort of just, uh, that, that now takes away my responsibility and certainly with the tuition costs today it will take away most of my responsibility just by paying the schools as a parent. Um, in that case, um, that, that's the suggestion. When there is no money to be had, then there's, not, then there's no MISO to be given. In effect, you are netting out uh, your expenses. Correct. 
There, there's nothing left. There's nothing left to give. Um, and but again, one has to ask one question. So like, let, let's, say, let, let's say when it comes to, you know, so how far does this go? Just to push the envelope a little bit, Elliot, on your points. Let's, let, let, let's say, does that mean to say that a person, should, and these are, these are painful questions, like, um, what about vacations then, you know? So should one say that, okay, so in order to give master, I shouldn't go on vacation. Um, and this is the, these are the questions that school, you know, school committees have to deal with when it comes to these, these things. And, and the truth is, is that there are certain basic things. Going on a vacation with one's family is, is, a, is a basic necessity, is a basic necessity day. Going away for Pesach or to, or to Hawaii in the winter break is not. But to go on a, to go on a vacation, you go, you go take a road trip up to Acadia, you go, you go drive, out, drive out and you go do a, a local vacations. That's basic necessity, right? So there's, there has to be balance within these things as well. And this is a lot of the, these are a lot of the questions. Are you interested? Actually, there was a, there was a great uh, podcast um, where Steve Zawitzki inter- um, um, interviewed Richie Hagler. It's really worthwhile listening to, just to listen to some of the complexities of these questions on the school side of things. But um, in terms of the Maastricht Sofimshir boy, when I, when I spoke to Rav Willig about this, he says it's within reason, meaning to say there's certain basic things that family needs, but extravagance. Is, is not necessary. It's just hard because sometimes when you live among extravagance, then a lot of people who uh, can't afford it feel that they need to afford it, and that should have been money that wasn't necess- necessarily given. Now, what about, what about this, is a, this is a complicated one. What about shul dues? Hmm. <laughs> so in, term, in, terms, in terms of deduction, that is a de- there is a deduction, right? That's a 501c3. That's fantastic. What about my six of him? Can I write that off? as my six of him as well. And listen to this, folks, okay? Hold, hold your breath. It says, the, the Maril, I'm commenting 700 years ago, says, says, that's not appropriate to give shul dues um, because it's meant to be going to poor people, not to upholding the community. An understanding of what this is, is, you are mechuyav in that anyway. As part of a community, you have to support your local communal institutions. It's not like a nice thing to do. It's a have to. And therefore, the masters, you can't say, well, I'm going to pay what I have to and, and give it to, uh, and, and say, this is my being magnanimous and giving my, my sex off. And those are two separate entities. Now, what was that? Ah, <laughs> it's, it's true. So I would imagine, again, the communal structure in those days was more, was more simple where there was one community, one school, and so on. So that, that would be it. In today's day and age, Baruch Hashem, where we're able to support many, I believe that would, that would certainly be called, called charit, being charitable. Um, but it, 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 in a similar way, in a, and that's what the Ramah Paskins, but in a similar way, the question is, what about um, acts of mitzvahs? So as an example, the Shach talks about, um, let's just see, I'm trying to see where this is in the sources here. Um, I just, uh, sorry, there don't have pages. This is all meant to be a, a slideshow here. Um, I don't know, I don't know the pages here. Thank you. Oh, here we go. So, so items amidst the shach says, "Ein nasos ma'aser shaloi." He quotes the Marashal Adrisha Kassel, "B'shem tshuvas ma'aram techol mitzvah shetovali yadoik agoin liyos bal bris or lahachnis chasan v'kala lechupa v'kiagav nevachein liknois svarim nilmod bohem or lashilam lacherim nilmod bohem im loy hayo yecholis b'yadoi v'loy hayo oseh oseh mitzvah yechol liknois mina ma'aser. So let's say I encounter a mitzvah. There's somebody getting married that I'd like to help. There's a, a Takana wedding that I'm trying to, to do. There's a buying, buying svarim. I'm buy, doing things which is a, a mitzvah. And if I were not, and, and let's say now we, we, we pass the debt, right? So I've paid my mortgage, my monthly mortgage. I've paid my monthly tuition dues, right? And I have a little bit of extra money, can, and I, I can give this to my sixth Can I use this now for that, right? So he says, 
if there was there would be no alternative, meaning to say there's only so much money left in the pot, and now there's this, this mitzvah opportunity coming my way, I can spend it on that. However, obviously, he's, he's saying if it's a mitzvah, then it would be better to have two separate pots. One's for the maaser, the, the Ma'asek and one is for the mitzvah which comes to me. I should try to differentiate if I have the financial wherewithal to do that. Which comes down to, I think, the way it works, actually, when I was speaking to Rav Willig about shul Jews as well. If a person has only X amount of money left, and, and one wants to figure out where it's going, and one doesn't have the ability to do shul dues, and the, these particular mitzvah projects which come across, across one's, one's path, one can use one's Ma'asek Safim for this. But if there is more space, one has more latitude, one should be doing it in the space where there isn't an already existing mitzvah. One should not be doing this in an existing mitzvah. Which comes down to a question which comes up a lot of times, and that is, is what about using my Maaser this year to write a Sefer Torah? This comes up a lot as well. So can I sort of, and that's because it's a big chunk of money, and I'm owing this amount of money this year, so it would be nice to do this, and that will come down to this, the, this, the way that the Shach Paskins over here, which is that if I have no ability to do it elsewise, and this is my mitzvah, then, then okay. But if one does have the ability to, it's not, not, not appropriate. Let's say I, I, I have my Maasek Safim account, and I'd like to write a Sefer Torah. It's incumbent upon everybody to write a Sefer Torah in their life if they're able to. That's a, it would be better not to double dip if there's, no, if there's an alternative. So it may depend circumstantially on the person themselves as well. Um, and finally, let's take a, take a look at, um, we, talked, we, looked at, we looked at tuition. What else, what, what, what else do we have over here in this, in, this, in this section? Oh, the when. So how do you do this? Like how, how often is this, you know, everybody's, everybody's different when it comes to, you know, like if you look at the way people pay taxes, <laughs> you know, like how late do they leave it and how much do they gather their documents and you know, uh, how, does, how, does, how does this work exactly? So the Chavetz Chaim, when describing this, um, just, um, says that the best way to do it is, he, um, it, technically speaking, is based on every prophet. So he says, this is in Avas Chesed chapter 18, if you can really come in as the prophet comes in, I'm, I'm, I'm allocating or I'm, uh, to, to, to a separate account. That's the best thing to do. But if you're dealing with millions of sales, you know, you need to do an annual accounting as to what, what is necessary, and then you figure out what's the, the profit margin, what the profit margin is I'm going to, going to put elsewhere. Now, that, that, that's when you're dealing with a person who's in the store, right? The, by the way, Chavetz Chaim was a store owner, right? So that's how he, he, made, he made his money, as, as was necessary. So you sort of so you take a log at the end of the year, and you figure out what, what it is. A better, a, a, an easier answer today, certainly for people who are salaried, is as it's coming in, one cheshpans how much one's going to be getting per year, and how much one has, and one, uh, the best thing to do is, as it comes in, have an, uh, a monthly a monthly account which goes to 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 one's stock account, and that money goes there independently of one putting it there. And then when one has various uh, you know solicitations or needs that come one's way, one says to uh, one says, how much do I have in my budget this month, right? Because there's I've already put I've already put the money there as well. Um, when it comes to the distribution aspect of it, the Chavetz Chaim takes it one step further, and he says, well, how much should I be distributing? He has an interesting rule, which I'm not sure everybody does, is um, in the next page in the distributing, he says, I'll tell you a way that you should do this consistently. You should have money, which is always set aside for this, meaning you should always have money in the bank to give as is needed. 
person should always try to bring down at least two-thirds of it being emptied out on a consistent basis to those who need. There's always people in need. There's always people soliciting and in need. And you should keep one-third of it. So 33% should be sort of saved up for the more significant projects that one is is uh, is is perhaps waiting for now again this, this may be depend d- different for different people because again there's some people who, who are, are visionaries and they're saying i i want to build something which is going to change the lives of millions of people not just the individual solicitors so th- in that case ones we're sort of moving towards a much bigger project that uh, that's fine as well but if on an average basis on an average day to day week week by week, week basis on a regular person there it, it's it's appropriate to make sure that one's flashing through the, he would say up to two-thirds, and, and allowing a third for special and rainy days where one needs to build up towards bigger bigger projects as well. That's the way the Chavetz Chaim suggested. Um, again, we, the Chavetz Chaim is not dealing with the salary brackets that perhaps we're dealing with in Eastern Europe. It was more complex. It was very much hand-to-mouth. It was much, much, uh, much uh, more simple a living style. So maybe slightly different today when it comes to, to, uh, to visionary. He makes five recommendations which are, which are worthwhile doing. And he says that when one gives my sex off him, when anyone does anything which is good, one should be careful to say blinede when one starts doing good things. Okay, because when one gets into a good practice, if you do it three times, it becomes like a neder. And, one, and that, that becomes a self-imposed um, responsibility. So whenever one does these kind of things, one should say, I'm doing this blinede because in case this, I'm not able to be consistent. I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be reneging on the commitment of my actions. Um, he also says, uh, he also suggests making an annual accounting, which is what we talked about over here. He talks about keeping track of what stock are giving, uh, are given to include it in the miser. So what, what happens is one can have, let's say, some people just keep in their wallet a certain amount that they're going to distribute as they go along, or they have certain amounts they give to funds, which they distribute coupons for. One should keep, make sure that, that one's keeping track, so that can be included in one, one scheshbon of miser as well. Um, if there's more miser than the money given out, he says give it out immediately unless there's no recipient at hand. You're not just going to throw money away, but you want to make sure to empty your account by the end of the year. And if there's ma- more money given out than miser, you can put it back for next year's budget as well. So you can you can push over, you can roll it over to the next year um, as well uh, as well. So just I, I think that the the, the outcome of this uh, just sort of having looked at this is this is treated very seriously. There's a lot of detail given to this, and it's a similar way that there's a lot of detail given to one's taxation and one's charity do, do, uh, donations. There's a lot of details that are given to one's master sofim. And again, coming to the, the realization that it's not all or nothing, this is a, we're all, we're all on the trajectory upwards towards something which is, which is very meaningful. And Be'ezrael Hashem, as HaKosh Baruch Hu says, if we do our share, God willing, Hashem should do His share to enable us to be His agents in this. And we close this, this section with the Rambam's famous words, and he says, May Olam, says the Rambam, Forever, He says, look what Israel do. Look what Jews do for each other. Look what is, how many social nets. Look how much care they have in society. We have so much to be proud, for, proud of. And yet at the same time as being proud, there's so much more to be done. And that's, uh, and that's, uh, that's the space that we live in. Rabbi, so thank you so much for taking the time. Have a wonderful, meaningful day. And next week we are doing Seder in the Seder. We're getting ready for, 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 for this. Right.